1: 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Forged in Fire returns. It's an all-new season of cutthroat competition. Premiers Tuesday, August 23rd on History.
0: Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right
1: side. He's throwing deep again. Going to the end zone. Up in the
2: air. Touchdown Eskimos! Adarius Bowman! Hey, that's three! From
1: Carpath and Finland Jesse, Fordy-Jarby. He takes the snap and see goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it. Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet.
2: Well, hello, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. It's Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed fringing. Not infringing, but fringing. <laughs> the, uh, every year, for the last several years, Reed has uh, volunteered at the fringe. Uh He loves it. And uh, that means I get to play in the sandbox. Happy to be here. What a weekend it was for sports, huh? Canada, more medals. Yesterday, Andre de Grasse, first sprinting medal for Canada in 20 years. Who was the last guy? Oh, you know who that was. Donovan Bailey, a guest on this show about uh, uh, two, three weeks ago, right before the uh, game started, as a matter of fact. Uh, won gold in Atlanta. Andre de won bronze in Rio and definitely will be a factor in Tokyo in 2020 and only 21 years of age. That's pretty cool. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a team that you used to know as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They're now called the Saskatchewan Rough Winers. Especially certain media over there and the fan base. There's a conspiracy against the Riders. There's a witch hunt. Oh no, the league doesn't like the Whiteos anymore. Give me a break. <sighs> anyway, we'll talk about the Eskimos. They broke a three-game losing streak against the uh, Alouettes last week. Not against the Alouettes, but uh, they were playing the Alouettes. They won 23-12, a game where they dominated up and down the sheet, in my opinion, up and down the field um, on the stat sheet. I know the game's not won on the stat sheet, but uh, they won. I think that's the most important factor is that they won. They won. I mean, if we're sitting here talking about a four-game losing streak because some of you were calling in and texting in and tweeting me, and I think some of your concerns are valid, by the way. Well, you only beat the Alouettes by eleven. Look at all those yards. Not many points. Three plays could have on offense could have really changed the complexion of that game, and we're talking a complete blowout. That's how close the line is sometimes. So, Jason Moss will be by in about an hour from now. Eskimo show coming up between uh, eight and nine o'clock. It's going to be uh, very much an Eskimo alumni flavor. Blake Dermott will be involved. I'll leave that. Uh, with Morley Scott, when we talk to him, we leave him to tell you more. At around 7:50, talk about the Edmonton prospects as well. Season ends; they uh, fall to the to Swift Current in the WMBL final. But uh, good year for the prospects. Good year at the gate, especially at Edmonton Ballpark. They averaged over 1,500 fans, which is not a lot when you look at the attendance. But I mean, we're talking last year, year before. They're averaging what, 150? So they're doing some good things. We'll talk with a guy who knows a lot about baseball in Edmonton, or Franchuk, who's a coach and a special advisor. All right, here's what's happening at the Olympics right now. Um, A lot of rain is happening at the Olympics right now. Uh, man, thank goodness that 100 meter final did not happen as we bring in uh, uh, Kellen Kennedy here. Kellen, how you doing, man? Doing great. How you doing, baby? I'm,
1: I'm doing awesome. Doing awesome. Thank goodness that
2: 100 meter final didn't happen tonight. Because... No, it,
1: it would have been a 100 meter uh scuba race or swim yeah. meet or something because uh, man, that we were watching the 110 meter uh hurdle qualifying, which yeah. is on delay now, and man, that. One heat that they did get off the ground and run was really ugly to say the least. Yeah, it was. It was splash, splash, splash. I mean, hurdles is crazy. A lot lot of hurdles going down, and I don't think that's uh, any reflection on how good these guys are. So because yeah, 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 because they're good. I mean, they're really good at what they do. So you got to be crazy to be a hurdler for one. You got to
2: have a lot of courage Mm -hmm. because you're you're talking about going fast and jumping hurdles that are quite high. Yes. um, And. Like the mental and physical discipline to
1: have for that sport is incredible. And then on top of that, they decide to dump a bunch of water on top of you tonight. And that's <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> well, not good. Day, but you know, Mother Nature herself, right?
2: So, well, uh, this is what we're looking for tonight. We'll talk about the 100 meter final in a moment here. But uh, Sean Barber of Toronto, who is the reigning world champion in pole vault, looking to add a Canada's 13 medal count in Rio, uh, completes the men pole vault final. Now, He got a bit of a shock in the qualifying round. Took him three tries to clear 5.45 meters. Barber hit the 6-meter mark earlier this year. So there could be a 14th medal tonight. But the rain, Kellen, has delayed the final. Yes. Yep. So, so we're just sitting here and waiting, and hmm. I'm, I know we're uh, I'm watching volleyball right now. Canada up one set to, to none on Italy. Yeah, men's volleyball, yep. Yeah, leading yep. 12-7 in the second set. So I'm not sure Canada's record is in volleyball. I know they upset mm-hmm. the U.S. in their first game. So. Which is good. Yep. Yeah, very good. Yep. Anytime you can beat the U.S., that's
1: good. Oh, in anything. If they had Yahtzee as an Olympic sport and we beat them in the U.S., <laughs> it would be great. Uh, also should mention uh, Canadian paddlers. Mm, bad day.
2: Former medalist Adam Vancouverton and Mark Oldershaw both failed to advance to the final rounds. Vancouverton, who's from Oakville, Ontario, got off to a bad start in the men's hi- kayak singles 1,000-meter semifinal coming in sixth place. He'll now race in the Consolation B final. Thirty-four-year-old says not his best race of his career. Older shot from Burlington, Ontario, finished fourth in his singles 1,000-meter canoe semifinal, failed to qualify for the A final. Canada's best shot at a paddling medal is Halifax kayaker Mark DeYoung, defending world champion competes later in the uh, in the week in the 200. So kind of a quiet day. Uh, for Canada as far as medals go. Canada ha- will uh, have a chance or had a chance at making the medal podium in synchronized swimming, but the que- Quebec duet team of Jacqueline Simon and Karine Thomas have uh, qualified after uh, the, for the final after a seventh place finish. They placed 15 points behind the top-ranked Russian team after qualifying. Chinese duo finished second in qualifying. Uh, Japan placed third. Uh, tomorrow, Kellen, uh, we're looking forward to a couple of things. Mm. Uh, Canada's women's soccer team have a chance that's to a big one, yeah. reach the gold medal final. Yes, Something they couldn't do four years ago. In Playing Con-
1: Germany, though, it's going to be tough.
2: Yeah, because they faced them once. Germany's, mm-hmm. I believe, second or third in the world. Right now, I've, they're, they're top five, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. Yeah, eight or nine. Mm-hmm. They beat them in the preliminary round. Canada did 2-1. Mm-hmm. But to do it again, ooh, that's going to be real tough. It'll
1: be a good matchup anyway. It It'll will. It'll be good.
2: That goes 1 o'clock Edmonton time tomorrow. All right. And then women's basketball team with, uh, you know, we talked about the Plouffe sisters. Mm-hmm. So they're on the team, uh, Michelle and Catherine. Uh, they got a tough draw against France in the quarterfinals. That will be tomorrow night. So we'll look forward to those two.
1: Kind of a local events. flavor with that team. Also with them being kind of HQ'd over at the Saville Center quite a bit of the time and that stuff. So, yeah, it's yeah.
2: good. Yep. Yeah. What would you think of the uh, 100-meter final? Awesome. Yeah. That was great. (laughs) That was awesome. So much hype hype for sub-10 seconds, but it's the best sub-10 seconds you'll ever see.
1: Davey, the kid is 21, and he's pulling out a nine nine one in the 100-meter final at the Olympics. Wait four years from now, and we're going to wait and uh, we'll see what numbers he puts up. He'll constantly probably be in the 980s with his times. Yeah. If he can get low 980s uh, consistently, like a 81, 82... He's set. Yeah, he's uh, set. And if 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 the rumors are are true, and Bolt is said to be mentoring this guy, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit. I, I love the. I don't know if it was true camaraderie, true
2: true friendship between Bolt and DeGrasse, mm. or if it was just out and out tactics by Usain Bolt to get into DeGrasse's head. But you know, high fives, low fives, fist bumps. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get a kid. You're going to, you're the next big one, you know, big thing in this, uh, in this, in this sport, you know? See, I,
1: f- I think it was just, it, it was pure sportsmanship. I mm-hmm. think that he's, this is probably Bolt's last Olympic games, mm-hmm. uh, just age-wise because he's 34 now. I doubt that he'll be running at 37, 38 in Tokyo. Yeah, so, actually,
2: he's third. He's going to be thirty soon. He'll be thirty four at okay. Tokyo, or thirty four in there. Yeah. Okay,
1: so yeah, but, maybe, still, but yeah.
2: still, I mean, that, there's a lot of wear and tear on that bottom. Exactly. Yeah, and he's running at nine eight one right now. Mm-hmm. So, and when he won, he was around
1: nine five three, I yes, believe, in yeah. uh, Beijing. So he's lost three tenths off of the peak of his career. I'll we'll yeah. just put it that way. He's on a, the downslope of his career. So, you know, I think it's it it. it it's nothing but a good thing, in my opinion, to have DeGrasse around the greatest of all time in the yeah. sport. It's like having McDavid around Gretzky. It's not going to hurt anything at all. Doesn't right? hurt so, at all. Doesn't no. hurt at all, right? So It was but, a lot of fun. But you just get that vibe watching DeGrasse that this kid is going to be something special. Like You yeah. got the same vibe this past season with the games that McDavid was playing when he was healthy. Yeah. That this kid's going to be something special. You get the same vibe with DeGrasse. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Uh, Did you know, there's a new CFL team. Is there a new CFL team? In Saskatchewan. Oh.
2: I don't know if they have to share the venue (laughs) at Mosaic and the next year share the the new Mosaic Stadium. Do they have trouble finding the goal line too? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we all know about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yes. Well, now there's the Saskatchewan Rough Winers. Oh, okay. But funny thing is, is they're coached by the same guy. Mm Mm-hmm and they still have darren duran as their quarterback yes oh it's basically the same team who have morphed into um well troublemakers and now because they've been fined several times this season at the tune of 100 grand or close to it because they used the wrong ratio in a game because they were using 15 to 20 players on a pre-practice squad and Mm -hmm mixing them in practice and using injured players that they weren't supposed to use in practice and because uh, also they now this might be a little chintzy but they stepped on a team's logo they stepped on the logo in Calgary at center field yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago so they got fined 5 grand uh, but wow there's how many more conspiracy theories can come out of this uh, f- you know come out of this province can come out of that city come from the uh, certain members of the media kellen
1: oh a lot more <laughs> a lot more, and it's, it's 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 snowballing now at this point, point. and we're we're going to hear it even towards the end of the season. There's going to be probably one or two more to pop up after minor infractions or something, because let's face it, this is not the team that Chris Jones had last season here became a well-polished, well-oiled, you know, professional football team. Yep, the team he's got right now in Saskatchewan. Is the farthest thing from it right now. It's a mess. It's an absolute Especially mess. Especially defensively,
2: maybe not offensively, but defensively, they're a mess.
1: And, and we know what a mess can be like. All yeah. we have to do is go back a few seasons to 2013 and see exactly what a mess our team was. Yeah. Right? But exactly. this is a this this I'd hazard to say is a worse mess in Saskatchewan than what we had in 2013. Yeah. I I just don't understand, and I I had enough finally on
2: Sunday, and I kind of. Uh, yesterday. I, I kind of let this go for a bit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, enough. Conspiracy, witch hunts. Why don't Ryder fans focus on the issue at hand? Yeah. That the team broke rules, there are CFL loot rules and bylaws, no matter how chintzy you think you know it is. You might think jaywalking is chintzy, the, but it's still something we can't do in in society. But this is this is a sport. Uh, There's certain things you can't do, and they went way overboard on certain
1: areas, especially with their roster. And, and the tweets coming from members of the riders' broadcast team, for example, out of Regina, were just abs- absolutely just ludicrous in my mm-hmm. mind. Like the whole, oh well. Jones uh, what was what was the statement that Jones had stated that well he
2: had used practices only you know he used practices that he saw with uh, the four teams or the previous teams he worked with before Saskatchewan. Right. Um, now I can tell you maybe that's true to a certain extent, but when it comes to a pre-practice squad, I've never seen 15 or 20 players used in a practice. you know has there been the odd one in past regimes? That you know, oh, there's a player here, and don't yeah. mention the, who the player is. Yes. Yeah. And it lasts maybe one
1: day, mm-hmm. but Jones was doing this for weeks. Yeah. And with a larger amount of players. Yeah. A larger amount of players. That's so you know every team has in the CFL, and this is just good pre-scouting for most teams in the CFL. Three or four guys that are free agents that come in and work with the offense, work with the defense. Yeah. That's it, right? We're not talking about the entire practice roster from UNLV coming up (laughs) to sit in the stands in Mosaic, you're right. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. Which
1: is what he was doing. Exactly. Although they were from different colleges. In in front of the
2: media too, which was incredible. Uh, Now, you can bring up players. You can bring up as many as you want. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't involve them in a practice. You can't involve them in meetings. Now, one thing that wasn't determined, and I know we're up against the break here, but... uh, You know, they were not, there was rumors they were being housed, fed, paid for, that sort of thing. Now, that didn't come out in in the fines. But here's, as we finish up here, Kellen, I appreciate your perspective here. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Two things, Rider Nation. Two things. One, focus on the problem, not on the league. Mm. The league isn't doing anything that they're not supposed to be doing. They are fining a team that violated CFL rules blatantly, and you can argue the fines are chintzy, and I would agree they're not very good. But this is a CFL; they don't fine harsh; they just don't. Um, but still, a message was sent that you're doing something wrong, and we're going to slap you for it. Yep. We're we're going to we're going to you know hold you accountable. So why don't you be mad at Chris Jones instead of the CFL? Mm. Okay. Secondly, why don't you take cues from your president and CEO Craig Reynolds? Who, on Friday, unlike Chris Jones, mm-hmm. and good on Saskatchewan Roughriders media for not asking Chris Jones a single question about the game against the Stampeders, because that's what Jones wanted. Absolutely. Had, had a minute and 40, minute and a half, minute 40, whatever, uh, a statement about what he did and really didn't apologize for mm-hmm. it. Just said he'll keep doing what he can to, to, uh, to uh, have a good football team in Saskatchewan. But what did Craig Reynolds say? You know, things like we, you know, we take responsibility for this, we hurt our brand, and we're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do, be doing, Rider Nation. Not whining that the CFL is doing their job. Should they be doing their job with other teams? Maybe, but I don't know of any other incidents, and I'm sure they're out there, but we don't know about them. Mm-hmm. So Chris Jones blatantly said, ha-ha, look at what I'm doing. I'm going to uh, look at my 15, 20 players out in practice. Woohoo!" You know? Right. And the league went, you can't do that. You can't so, do that, yeah. Here's your here's your fine. Mm-hmm. So instead of whining that there's a conspiracy, whining that there's a witch hunt, focus on the problem. And the problem is Chris Jones' blatant disregard for the rule book. Because mm-hmm. as far as I know, no one else blatantly went overboard like Chris Jones did.
1: And just quickly, that's signs of a des- desperate coach to me. A very desperate coach to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I still believe the Riders can be a good football team.
2: But Chris Jones has to get through this and has to learn from this mm. and eat a bit of humble pie here. Yes. We'll see what happens. We're, uh, we're late for a break here, but, Kellen, thanks. Appreciate it, man. You got it. 622, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell and for Reed Welcomes to tonight. Reed will be back on the show tomorrow night. Eskimos in action on Saturday afternoon. BMO Field, 1230 is the pregame show. Two o'clock is the kickoff. Brad texts in and says, Dave, why didn't the Eskimos sign Brandon Thompson before training camp? Did he not want to come until right now? Well, uh, Brandon Thompson is the experienced DB the Eskimos signed last week. Played the last two years with the Red Blacks. 99 tackles, 7 interceptions. Before training camp, Eskimos had a guy by the name of John Hojo. Then he got hurt. And I think uh, at the time, Ed Hervey was, my guess is, let's just go what we have and see what we got. But things clearly didn't, you know, trend in the right direction. So the call went out before the Ottawa game, and Brandon Thompson was officially signed last week. Will he play in Toronto? I think there might be a good chance. We'll find out starting tomorrow. Looks that way as the Eskimos return to practice. News is next with Scott C. Bourgeois from the 6.30 Chet 24-Hour News Center. Talk about Andre de bronze medal win in the 100-meter men's sprint final last night in Rio. That's up next. This is Mark Latestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet. Welcome. Tonight we're here for Action Furnace, home on the fix right or three guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. The rain has stopped in Rio, so the track and field events are resuming. A couple of Canadians were in the uh, 110 meter hurdle heats and have not qualified. Uh, Sean Barber of Canada, world champion pole vaulter, uh, he's in the final and has a chance to medal and add to Canada's total, which sits at 13. And we will talk about the only male to hit the podium in a moment. Uh, let's give you a quick scoreboard update brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. And uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are in action. They're down one nothing top of the fifth inning in New York against the Yankees. Entering play today, Toronto is up a half game over the idle Baltimore Orioles. So the Blue Jays trying to... Uh, increase that lead to one game if they can win. If not, then uh, they'll be a uh, tie for a first place in the AL East. Boston already played today, and they beat Cleveland by a score of 3-2. So Boston is one and a half games back right now. Uh, you can text in at 630-630. Uh, Brad says, uh, Dave, don't you think the Eskimos should play three international receivers and play an extra Canadian on the D-line? Uh, or on defense, like a tackle, and uh, they're already doing that now. Uh, Jabari Hunt is listed as a starter along with Armando Sewell. So, although you said Canadians, didn't you? Yes, Canadian. Well, uh, well, right now I don't know where else you would play the extra Canadian. That's the problem. Um, you know, they're at they're at uh, seven right now. Uh, they do list Jabari Hunt as a starter, but it's Benetti Steele that's been starting. So there's your two Canadians on defense. Uh, you have uh, you have Steele and you have Neil King on offense. You have three on the O line, then you have three in the re- in the receiving core. So you're playing with one over the limit because uh, you need seven Canadian starters. So uh, they do have the room for another American, and I wonder at this point or at some point in the season, whether they'll think about using another Canadian or another international receiver. Right now, they seem content to go with the three Canadians. And the thing that you'll lose, I believe, right now, you have a Darius Bowman, you have Darrell Walker. They're good. They're just that good. Um, but your third receiver, who is it? You know, I thought Reed Wilkins brought up a good point last week with me on the Points After Show. Does this team miss Kenny Stafford? I think they do. They didn't want to pay him the amount of money the Owls were going to pay him to be a third receiver, which is about, you know, 175, 180, somewhere in that range. Uh, So they don't have a third option. We thought it was Corey Watson. We thought maybe it would be Chris Getzlaff. It's not Nate Kuhorn. So right now it seems to be Bowman Walker with some of John White mixed in there. So does that change down the road? I don't know. Devin Bailey, I think, is someone that could be the third receiver. Or fourth receiver at some point on this team, but he's just working his way back in the lineup. A lot like Brandon Thompson. And uh, Callan Kennedy and I were talking about it during the break is, you know, Brandon Thompson didn't have a training camp. Correct. So, might want to give him a bit more time. Mm. So, we'll see. Um, Now, he's had a lot of mental reps
1: uh, with this team, but to get
2: out on the field and, I mean, you're, they're, he's in shape, but football shape and in shape are two different things.
1: So. And we've got to gauge, or they, they, not we, but they have to gauge, I should say, what shape he's in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do they have a good enough read
2: of that? Exactly. So, so we'll find out. We'll get the uh, early indication tomorrow and throughout the week, uh, the Eskimos play in Toronto on Saturday against the Argos. Oh, about that lone male to hit the podium. Uh, man, the uh, women are doing great. Uh, but you know what? Team Canada is doing great. That's what I say. But, yes, the first male hit the podium yesterday after the men's 100-meter final, Andre de Grasse, a bronze medal. And to uh, talk about it, a man who was in the stadium, Anson Henry, a former sprinter himself for Canada, and now the track analyst for CBC with their Olympic coverage in Rio. Anson, nice to have you back on the show. And, uh, man, it must have been a great atmosphere last night in the uh, stadium. Atmosphere at the stadium
0: last night? I mean... Uh, it's, you can't really explain it, man. The 100-meter finals, I mean, the World stand film, everyone was watching that strip of track for under 10 seconds. And um, it was just a great moment, man, especially for Canadians with how uh, –
2: no, and, and you're right. It's it's such an anticipated moment, but I mean, Canadians haven't had this feeling of you know the the, the nervousness and the excitement level and the anxiousness, uh, to, you know, to watch a watch a, a medal chance here since Donovan Bailey 20 years ago. And uh, uh, what a story Andre De Grasse has become. And he's just like he just shot out of a cannon. I mean, he's come out of nowhere, and in the, in the last year, has really uh, burst onto the international scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, Andre, I mean, if you just look at the time frame that he's catapulted himself into the limelight, I mean, you realize that some people are just gifted. Some people have a natural ability to do certain things. With Andre, he has a natural ability to run very fast. And not only that, he has a natural ability to handle pressure. And um, he has a killer instinct, you know, things that you can't teach. So, I mean, with that, I mean, he's just, Somewhat of a somewhat of a phenomenon, and something that uh, Canada should have a lot of pride to say that they uh, they own.
2: Maybe talk a little bit more uh, specifically about, you know, just how he did burst onto the scene. And uh, I don't know how far down the line, uh, y- you know, when you look in the past uh, when track kind of came came to be. I love the story last night on the broadcast, though, when uh, he, the first time he tried track and uh, he didn't understand the block. So what does he do? He just starts uh, standing sideways and he ends up smoking the field anyway. Uh, I love that story. But uh, uh, where where did this young man come from, basically?
0: You know what? He uh I guess some of his friends back in the day he told him to come up a track and it was kinda he was always a basketball player, so <laughs> I mean he just did it so he could just be with his friends. So I mean once that happened, he got on the track and he rolled out. And when he rolled out, uh Tony shot, a former Olympian uh himself, saw him and was like, who is this kid to just beat everybody? He used the blocks and I mean, looks horrible. know <laughs> so, I know if I take this kid and I clean him up. I mean, he could become something. I mean, by later on that year, he was able to run really well and be on top of his age group. And, I mean, the rest of history. He went away to school, and um, you know what? We are where we are now.
2: And he went to USC, and he made the decision to leave USC. And uh, at one point, I know reading articles about him, that he was kind of questioning that decision. Well, after last night, I think it's a good decision.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? He, He never questioned the decision. I mean... Obviously, he um, he loved his coach at USC, but at the end of the day, he's a professional athlete. and He needed to be in a professional environment. He needed to be around professional athletes. And I mean, if he was to stay in the school system, I mean, he, honestly, you my opinion, he probably wouldn't have ran that well. If you look down the line, there aren't any Spurs in history who were able to stay in the college system, do the exact same workout, and, you know, be successful. So, I mean... It, it, it is what it is. You have to go into a professional environment with a professional athlete, and as you can see, it worked out for him because I mean, it's only—you ran very well in college, he ran very fast in college, but so when you're in a professional game, it's totally different. And um, you know, he did his thing. He proved that his, his, his decision was legitimate.
2: We're joined by CBC track analyst Anson Henry here on 6:30. Chet, inside sports, talking about the uh, bronze medal win in the men's hundred-meter final uh, last night at the at the Rio Olympics. I tell you, I, I love during the semifinal and the final. The um, I don't know if it was gamesmanship, what it was, but Usain Bolt doing. A lot of you know high fives, low fives, fist bumps. Hey, kid! You know I'm your big brother. Blah blah blah. That sort of thing. Uh, I got a kick out of that, wow. and and it, I don't know if it was tactics from Usain Bolt, but it didn't really. If it was, it didn't really seem to to, to phase Andre de, Andre de at all. Yeah, I mean the thing about the thing about
0: Andre is he's so new to the sport that he hasn't raced Usain enough or been around track and field enough to understand who you say both is and how he's been dominating. He hasn't been exposed to it and he hasn't felt, you know, the beating that some of the others for have. So he's ignorant to feeling any kind of fear towards him. So with that, he's just out there running. And, I mean, with the game championship we saw, I mean, those two guys in the semifinal were clearly better than everyone else. And it was basically like they looked at each other realizing that, like, okay, we're going to do our thing. We're getting through this. You know, we're having fun with this. But it was cool to see the audience at that level where he can you know, run around with, with with the guy that you say, saying both and be on that level and beyond on that you know that same frame of mind with that guy. So, I mean, that's what I got is that these guys both recognize each other, real recognize the you real, know, and um, you know they just show that they're at another class and uh saw their athletes there.
2: And he's running uh, he ran beside Usain both uh, twice in the semis and then in the final. Uh, when you look at uh, deGrasse's final, uh, did he do w- w- you know all he could to you know achieve that medal or did did he did he make some mistakes or did it or was it basically he ran the best race he could? Uh, well, it was,
0: it was a personal best, but me looking at it visually, uh, the middle of the race wasn't as clean as it could have been and, and, and talking to his coach Stu McMillan after the race, we were talking about the same thing. We had a chat like, a good chat about how the race went and I mean the thing about the Olympic final is there's so much tension. They so everyone realizes this is the moment. And the thing is, once the gun goes, a lot of times everyone just wants to get to the line. By any means necessary. All technique everything goes out the window. And the guys that are able to hold it together the best they're gonna have the best performances. And I think I mean, it proved that the, that point that it has made, the medalist executed the race to the best uh you know, better than anyone else in the gym But even still, um, Andrew didn't have that clean of a race. He might have executed better than other people who didn't medal, But I mean, as far as the middle of the race, he wasn't it wasn't that clean. He didn't execute his uh, transition that well. He didn't uh shoot kinda tight. Uh so his knees were coming up as well in the latter part of the race, even he didn't really pose very well. But like I said before, he's got that competitive mentality that raw, uh, I'm going to beat you, you're not going to beat me, I will get to the line before you attitude. And um that's what he showed to get the line last like night and you have to have that to be a that we
2: And he's only twenty one. Yeah. And he's only twenty one years old, that's so there's lots to more point. to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: As we're joined here on Inside Sports tonight by Anson Henry, CBC track analyst, talking about the uh, bronze medal win from Andre De Grasse of Canada last night in the men's 100-meter final. Usain Bolt uh, wins his third straight Olympic 100-meter men's uh, uh, final gold and uh, seventh gold medal, I believe. And uh, this one different because he had to really work for it. But uh, man, what a, I mean, what what a legacy this man is is leaving the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean. Um... were going to beat him, it was going to be last night, because, I mean, 981 is the slowest time he's ever run to win a championship, and um, I mean, he's obviously on the decline a little bit now, and I mean, if if you were going to beat him, you were going to beat him last night. If he runs next year at the World Championships in London, maybe they'll have another chance, but um, I mean, the thing about him, even if he runs that slow, he still has that aura around him that that kind of causes other people to falter. Aside from Andre, but a lot of people will run a lot worse when they're running they, they against him. It's him; they're not running their race; they're running against him. And he still has that over people. So even with the time of 9:81, he's still able to clearly beat everybody. It's that impressive in
2: itself. Yeah, for sure. And you know, some people might be a little bit offended by the swagger and the the antics. Uh, you know, maybe normally I would, but I just love it. There's just something about you staying bold that just you you gravitate towards. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it's entertaining. I
0: mean it's, it's cool to see. And I mean, me myself I like seeing people do great feats And I think everybody in the world likes to see someone having fun. So I mean put that together, I mean that's if you have in same bold and I mean when the sports I mean the sport's gonna live on even when he's gone. It's just gonna be different. Yeah. But I think that with his era he's brought that He brought that to the sport and it's something new, something unique, it's something that we've never seen this before. So I mean The sport will obviously miss him when he's done, but I mean, this has just been his niche, his era. When when he's gone, there's going to be another niche, another era, and um, the sport's going to live on regardless because, I mean, everyone loves speed, and that's what the 100 Minutes is all about.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, one final one for you here, Anson. And we really appreciate your time today, because I know you're very busy <laughs> down there in Rio, uh, covering the uh, Olympics for CBC and doing a fine job. Uh, the rest of the week for Andre DeGrasse, uh, 200 meter f- is uh, 200 meter event, and 4 by 100 relay. Is that the the next two events that we uh, we we watch him uh, for and see what happens? Yeah, yeah, he's going to be running the
0: 200 tomorrow. I mean if you ask Andre, he'll tell you that the 200 is a stronger event. So, I mean, that's going to be exciting to see too, because he's going to be a very strong force in that event. Uh, I feel like, uh, it's going to be a lot different. It's totally different race. There's going to be some totally different, um, players that are going to be a factor. And, um, you know, it's going to be totally different dynamic to the whole competition, but I mean, it's something that he's ready to approach. Um, I was having a lot of fun this week, uh, with this, this little skip that I made, uh, about the Andre arm, when Andre really gets accelerating, his arm really flails out, his right arm really flails out, and um, it actually started trending on Twitter. The Andre <laughs> arm. If you, to, if you want to check that out on my Twitter, the Andre arm is really it's all over the place right now. But I'll I mean, do that. We had a little fun with it. Yeah, and um, but yeah, is not too much. You're gonna you're gonna see this. Well, once he really gets accelerating around that turn and coming off that turn, uh, his turnover is really fast. And a lot of people fast turn over. He's going to be a for very long, and two hundred meter runner because he also runs a pretty good turn as well. So it's going to be exciting to see. I mean, Shane's obviously going to be a favorite. Justin Thomas also going to be a favorite as well. Um, so there's much of the names that guys may not know, but with the twenty world there, they're strong. So it's going to be exciting. At the, at the end of the day, It's uh, not going to be easy, but he's proven that he's able to ride the occasion where it's time.
2: Very good. Anson Henry, thanks for your time uh, tonight and uh, appreciate your insights and uh, good work there down in Rio working for CBC. All the best to you, my friend.
0: Really appreciate that, man.
2: All right, that's Anson Henry, who is a track analyst for CBC, former uh, two-time Olympian and uh, competed on the world stage uh, for a number of years on the track scene. Also, we didn't get a chance to talk about Aaron Brown. Uh, Aaron Brown, if it wasn't for a perhaps a stiff headwind, might have been in the semifinals, at least, but he's run a sub-10 second time as well. So there's only four Canadians that have done that: Donovan Bailey, Bruni Surin, Andre DeGrasse, Aaron Brown. So Aaron Brown's might might be someone that we'll talk about as as well down the road. So uh, the high jump final, or the high jump pole vault final, Derek Duran's pretty good in uh, high jump as well, but uh, pole vault final is going on right now with. Uh, A very good chance for Sean Barber to hit hit the podium. He's a uh, reigning world champion in pole vault. We are here for Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino, Western Canada's most important horse racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby presented by CIBC at Northlands Park, August the 20th. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment.
1: My lemonade stand wasn't so popular, so I switched to giving away advice. Here are my top sellers. Never cut your own bangs. If you want a dog, first ask for a pony. But my favorite advice? Save hundreds by combining your home and auto insurance through RBC Insurance. Want some more great advice? Visit rbcinsurance.com slash save for details.
0: Distributed by RBC Insurance Agency Limited and underwritten by Viva General Insurance Company. Savings calculated off standard rates. Conditions apply.
2: There are three G's that everyone in the business world should live by. No games, no gimmicks, and no gotchas. This week.
1: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. 6.54, the
2: pole vault final is well underway. Sean Barber of Toronto, who is a metal threat world champion in this event, uh, missed his first
1: attempt. Uh, Did you see how many... uh, how high that was! I uh, just clipped the the pole with his uh, okay. feet co- going over. Yeah. So if he missed it, it wasn't by much. Not sure
2: what height it was. So, no. uh, but he gets one or two more attempts, I believe. So, uh, so not not a great start for Sean Barber, who has a a definite shot of reaching the podium uh, here tonight in Rio. So we'll see what happens. So the athletic events are back underway after a. Massive rain storm went through Rio. Uh, they need it because there's a, there was a, I saw in the, the pictures on the television, yeah. there's some kind of fire going on.
1: Yeah, there's like a wildfire around the city yeah. or something like that, isn't there?
2: Yeah. So hopefully that rain hit that wildfire. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, so, but yeah, the athletics, uh, athletics venue, boy, it was sure mm-hmm. soggy. So it's good that they're back up and running again. So Sean Barber okay. missed his first attempt, so he'll have to try and uh, get it to go mm-hmm. in his second attempt. So we will see what happens. Uh, what else have we got here? Ah, let's give you a scoreboard update. Let's see how the Jays are doing, who have a half-game lead on the Baltimore Orioles in the American League East. Right now, top of the six. Jays still losing by a score of one nothing. If the Jays uh, hang, uh, find a way to win this game, they'll move up another half-game because Baltimore is idle tonight. They'll move to one game. If they can't, then uh, they will be a tie. Atop the uh, AL East standings. So there you go. Next hour, we're going to talk about the Edmonton prospects. Good run for them, which ended on the weekend in the WNBL final. Uh, they lost to Swift Current, but uh, a good year on the field and a good year off the field. And uh, what does this mean for baseball in Edmonton? So we'll talk with War Franchuk, who is a long time, you know, has been in the scene here a long time you know, here in Edmonton. And uh, the Eskimos, they're back to practice tomorrow. They've had a long week after a short week. We'll talk with head coach Jason Moss after the news break with Scott T. Bourgeois from the 6.30 Chet 24-hour news centre. Campbell in for Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back tomorrow doing his fringing thing today. But uh, he'll be back tomorrow. Inside Sports, hour number two. On the way next, folks. Stick around!